are in what I call our Easter giving series, on Easter Sunday we will take an offering and we will, we will give it away to the three missions that we support. We've, so far we've talked about the uh, Feeding Children Program missions in Haiti, the free wheelchairs that we give away in Vietnam, and today we're going to be talking about the water filter project in the Amazon region of Brazil. And so uh, my good friend Hamon in Brazil who oversees the water filter project, he has given us a video that kind of gives a little bit of a report and an update on what's happening. So we're going to watch that and then we're going to have a little interview with somebody from our church who was down there last year. So if you want to show that video. Olá, me chamo Ramon, sou um dos responsáveis uh, pelo Ministério de Filtro aqui no Brasil. E em nome da nossa equipe, em nome da nossa comunidade, queremos de coração grato dizer muito obrigado a, a todos vocês que nos apoiam a, em oração, que nos apoiam a, espiritualmente, que nos apoiam financeiramente. Muito obrigado. Através desse apoio, a, nós temos alcançado comunidades, nós temos alcançado pessoas carentes que não tinham perspectiva de uma água tratada. E através do filtro, nós temos colocado as nossas mãos e orado também por essas pessoas. Temos feito isso há nove anos. Nesses nove anos, nós alcançamos seis mil famílias, alcançamos 32 mil pessoas aqui na região de Portel. Então, nós temos chegado a concluir toda a meta aqui na região. Temos chegado ao fim de um ciclo. Deus tem colocado em nossos corações uma nova região. Deus tem colocado em nossos corações uma nova base. Por isso, queremos pedir para vocês continuarem orando para que nós possamos continuar fazendo, servindo Deus e servindo as pessoas. E nesse período, uma ferramenta muito importante para que o filtro chegue até essas pessoas carentes é a embarcação, é o barco, ele vai entrar em manutenção. Nós vamos fazer algumas manutenções na embarcação. Por isso, queremos pedir para você continuar orando, para que nós possamos continuar fazendo a vontade de Deus e servindo as pessoas aqui. Muito obrigado do fundo é, dos nossos corações, em nome de toda a a nossa comunidade. So that's kind of an update. Yeah, Kyle, come on up here. And um, before I start asking Kyle some questions, I just want to kind of let you guys know what's happening. Um, so that was Hamon. And first of all, I want to thank Michael and, and Elder Ruckdashel for translating that. Um, yeah. And um, so we are in some exciting times with the Brazil Water Filter Project because they have saturated the area of Portel with water filters. And now they're looking to move in another region. 
um, when we were there last year, pretty much the closest area that we could go to to, to uh, distribute water filters is about eight hours out. So they really can't, it's not, it's not uh, uh, um, su sufficient to, to continue to do it like that. So, so right now what they're doing is they're looking for different regions where they can set up the water filter project. And just to give you an idea of, and I, I believe Hamon is going to go with the boat. If it works out, Hamon will go with the boat, and they're looking for a vineyard church that has enough property where they can, they can make the water filters, and they can have the boat there, and they can hire some people that can, that can uh, distribute the water filters and stuff. So this is, this is really an exciting time um, for the water filter project. And uh, so Hamon and I, we, we communicate a lot, mostly through memes, because he's a bit of a jokester. Um, and then there's uh, Keith and Marcia Wilson are the American missionaries down in Brazil. They came from Vineyard Columbus, and they're basically my contacts who I, I talk to. So when we send our money down there, it goes, Mar it goes to Marcia, and then she distributes it as, as needed. Um, but just so you know what's all involved, when you purchase a water filter for $195, you are not just purchasing a water filter. You are also supplying people with jobs. You're supplying Hamon with a job and about six or eight other people. And so we're about to go into another region in the Amazon, and Hamon hopefully will go with that, and then he'll find people who, who he can hire and we will supply them with jobs. And then they will also present the gospel with the water filters. So I'm really excited. Normally we would go um, in June, but I was asked to come down in August this year because again, they're gonna be doing maintenance on the boat and they're also looking for a new place to set up. And in August, there's actually a vineyard conference for all the vineyard churches in Brazil. And so I'm, me and uh, Rob Gibson, he used to go to our church. He lives down in Florida. He's going to go down there with me. And we're just going to be a part of this setup. And we're going to talk to the Brazilians. And we're, it's going to be a little more relational. Um, but, but again, I'm, I'm really excited about this. And then also, just so you know, we've been doing this project since 2017. And so far, we have distributed this church 697 water filters. So I asked Kyle to come up here um, with me. Kyle is, he's on our board of directors. Um, and Rob Gibson, when, when we get to Brazil, something happens to Rob. He like turns into a Brazilian. Like, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, something happens to him. But I've never seen anybody work as hard as Rob until Kyle came down last year. And so, yeah. I am confident in my age and life right now that I can take pictures and document, and they give me the light stuff to carry around. I'm fine with that. Um, but Kyle, can you share with us, like, like where the setup is on the church property in Portel, where they make the water filters, what does that look like, and what is the process of getting the water filters from, from the, where they're stationed at onto the boat. Yeah, so the, the church property itself is uh, very large. It is gated off and um, it's got good security, it's secluded. And on the side, they have this area where they are making all of these water filters uh, with the cement and they have the gravel and the sand. Um, 
it, these things are probably 150 to 200 pounds, I think. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're heavy. I mean, they're really heavy. Empty. And empty, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before we put gravel and sand and water into them. Uh, so they're really heavy, and we have uh, these dollies, which uh, would probably be thrown away up here, but that's all they have down there. So we're using these dollies to transport them down, and luckily there is a little bit of a decline from where they make them down to where the boat goes. Um, and then we, we get them down, and they have a team of, like, four guys that are on the boat to lift them up and pull them into the boat and stack them up like they showed. Uh, the boat can carry, I think, upwards of 25 to 30 filters at a time. Um, and, you know, that was a lot of work for us on the day that, that we were just preparing the boat uh, for takeoff. And those guys do that every week. So, yeah. uh, you know, it was a lot of work for us, but they're doing that constantly, and they're churning out. When, when we showed up, they had probably... Uh, 40 to 50 water filters that were already built and ready to go. Um, you know, we did maybe 20 to 25 of them, but the rest were ready for them. As soon as we left, they could uh, get the harder work done because I know sometimes we kind of get in their way a little bit, but they, uh, they're much more efficient. They do a much better job than we do. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a well-run machine where they're at. Yeah, I think they're just kind of humoring us because we come down there and, you know. Um, but then, okay, so we get them up on the boat. And then um, once we're out on the rivers, so you get to take a little bit of a break and, and you, you ride on this boat and it's, it's, it's kind of like a vacation for no. a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we, we get out on the river. So what is the process of like delivering and then maybe setting up a water filter in somebody's home? Yeah, so it's super cool. I mean, it's uh, uh, like Pastor Chip said, it can take up to eight hours to get to where we're going to go and, and dock at. Um, and then we have various locations that we go once we're docked. Uh, we'll pull up to a house, which uh, before it was nice because we had a decline, and that is not the case when you're bringing the filters into the house that we're going to. Um, some of them have these docks that are uh, each, each wood panel for walking on is very unstable. I know Rob fell through yeah. on one last yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, you have to be very careful when you're coming across with this heavy weight. Um, some of this wood can't really support it, so we have to get pretty creative on figuring it out. Um, once we get the filter into the home, um, the, the team that's down there, the Brazilians, are able to communicate well with the families on what they should be doing with upkeep, how they should be getting this thing set up. Um, and while they're doing that, our group is taking five-gallon things, uh, yeah. buckets to go down and fill them up with water and then just start the process because it takes about a day of just flowing water through the filters to get them set up. Um, so we kind of uh, do a little bit more of the manual labor. That way they can spend their time thoroughly explaining how these things are set up to work, how to avoid getting uh, mold and mildew into the water and, and what to do in each scenario. I mean, they kind of, they, they really break it down to a level that uh, it's very, very simple because uh, at the end of the day, the filters, they take dirty water in, they spit clean water out. Um, so they're just explaining that to them. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the thing. A lot of people, there is no clean drinking water at all in the Amazon. And some of them know and some of them don't know why they're sick all the time. And you see the children, they've got, we call it worm bellies. They got the big bellies because they're drinking dirty water. Um, and so, and, and also you have to do it in a way that doesn't offend them and, and, and make them feel like, you know, I'm not smart enough to know that I shouldn't be drinking this water. So, so how, Kyle, would you say how receptive are people, um, when the water filter pulls up to a community or to a house, when they're asking somebody if they would like to have a water filter? I'd say it's pretty mixed reaction. 
Um, sometimes people kind of look in confusion, like, why do we need this? We've been living all these years without this. You know, what's the purpose? Um, but a very common question when we talk to the families, you know, we ask, what can we pray for? And they, they say, well, my kid's sick. And my kid's healed up and, and vomiting and having, you know, digest, digestional problems. And a lot of that comes from drinking this water. Um, so a lot of it's trying to explain to them why, uh, why they might uh, need these water, why they might need this water for the families. Um, and on the other side of it, there's uh, one that we pulled up to that I think had five homes or six homes yeah. on, their, on their property. Um, and they said, well, can we get one of these for all of them? And we're just like, oh, because that was not an easy dock yeah. either. That's the one that had stairs that was way... That, that was this one right here. Uh, <laughs> that, that was, about, that was what, about three stories up, Yeah, maybe two stories, but... Yeah, that was the one. So they had uh, four or five homes on this property, and they were super excited about it. Um, and we put one into each home uh, for the entire family. Uh, you know, they, they have a, a uh, their whole family lives on this property together, and so we were to deliver it for all of them. So it's a mixed-use reaction. Some people yeah. um, just don't really understand it, but um, the really cool thing is some of those people, there were a, a few times we showed up unannounced and tried to explain what we were doing and what was going on and whether they wanted one, and they said, yeah, and we'd pray for them and hang out with them for a few hours and invite them to church. And then that night they'd pull up on their canoe into church yeah. and it was super cool. It's a super, um, awesome outreach in order to, uh, get people involved in the community and, and get to know other families that are living around them, uh, and to come to church. So, yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Good deal. So, okay. So now when you hear that the water filter project is in the process of relocating, um, and they've fulfilled what they've set out to do in the region that they're at, what, what comes to mind for you? What, what does that make you think about? I, I think that means we've been super successful. I think yeah. God's had his hand in what we're doing. Um, to, to be able to kind of circle off that region and, and say that we completed it, uh, you know, the eight-hour boat rides to get to where we were going, I mean, we were going into um, some really tight areas um, yeah. <laughs> on the Amazon. I mean, we, were, we were really going out there at this point. Uh, but if you think about it, like the gas alone on that boat to, to go eight hours and to come back, at some point it just doesn't become feasible to keep doing that. Um, so to know that we kind of completed an area and uh, a lot of these churches along the way too that we went to are established. They are, are set up with their communities for going to church, uh, yeah. connected with the vineyard. Um, you know, I, I, I think we, it was a job well done in that area in Portel. Um, it's exciting to, to go to a new area and see if we can replicate that and if we can do that again. Uh, Hamon's done a really good job and as great of a guy he is, he's a great musician, he's a great youth pastor. I mean, he's, he's a great guy, but he's a hard worker too. I mean, that guy really works on that boat uh, and makes the most out of nothing a lot of times. So, um, yeah, it's just exciting. It's a really exciting time for them to go to a new yeah. region and, and see if we can do this again. Yeah, and, and also... This will be the third region now where the water filter project has gone. So uh, Richie Boutsier, who we used to work with, um, he started this down there over 20 years ago. Uh, this was the second region he started the water filter project in, and now we are working with Hamon and Keith and Marcia moving into the third region. So it, it's really exciting, and I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this. So uh, last question, Kyle, building relationships. That's a really big part of the water filter project. So what were you able to observe when it came to the Vineyard Church in Portel ushering in the presence of God while they were installing water filters? 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, um, you know, we talk a lot about the hard work, but there's, there's a lot of evangelizing that takes place, too. I mean, um, a lot of how can we pray for your family? Um, do you want to come to church tonight? And like I said before, a lot of these families that are getting the filters uh, will come check out the church and take a look. And sometimes the areas we were going to were so overcrowded that people were watching kind of from the, either the outside of the building or, or from their canoe. Um, I mean, it's really a, really a good outreach. And I, I think what stuck out to me was the, the kids that go. There are so many mm. kids that are involved in this thing. And, you know, a lot of this music that we're listening to or that we play is played down there as well. Uh, yeah. Maybe some that we played years ago, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's in a different language. And it's just like, wow, like they're singing, they're worshiping the same God that we are. It's just in a different language. And the kids are just belting it out at the top of their lungs. Uh, just so excited yeah. to be together and singing together. Um, and I guess for me, I just, you just see that and you see, well, this, this is really digging roots into this community because these kids are going to grow up and they're just going to continue on what's already been established. Um, and that was super encouraging and super exciting because the, the entire community now is starting to get together and, and pray for each other and, and go to church together. And it's, um, I don't know, it's a blessing to see. It's, it's so great to uh, be donating, uh, you know, for these water filters for so long. And then for me to get down there and go see where our money is going to. I mean, I can sit up here and, and 100% confidence tell you this money is going to a great place and is definitely being utilized in the way that you would hope it for. Uh, a lot of times you can send money to places and, and just kind of hope that it's going to the right place, but I can tell you confidently that they are using their money uh, really wisely and it's making a huge impact on the Amazon River. Amen. All right, well, Kyle, thanks so much for sharing that with us, man. Appreciate all your help, brother. All right. And then uh, this is what this is this is what I call my famous picture. Uh, I wanted I wanted this photo to be up here. This is kind of this is what I call my selling point. So this was taken I think in 2019. Uh, we pulled up to a school, and um, they had done they had put a water filter in here the year before, only one, and they needed like two or three more. And so the water in the bucket there is the water that they're drinking, and the water in the bottle is the water that comes out of the water filter. So that's your, that's your difference. Um, it, it works. And they're, they're biosand filters, they're concrete, they're tall, they're filled with sand and gravel and rock and everything, and they last forever. This is one of those times of the year that we do ask for money, and, we, and I ask to give sacrificially. Um, and and I, I can stand up here and I can vouch for these three missions. Uh, Steve Fitterer oversees the Haiti, Henry Diani oversees Vietnam, and I oversee Brazil. And I can tell you that there is a good accountability with these three missions and that lives are being changed around the world with your money. So, so there's that. Um, now... We're going to end our giving, uh, uh, Easter giving series is what I'm calling it today. And this series was, is designed um, to help us understand the importance of giving and how much God expects us to take care of those in need. See, it is the church's responsibility. That's us. It is our responsibility to see to it that those who are less fortunate, the poor and the needy, are taken care of. It's our job to see to it that 
that the people that Jesus identifies with the most, the downtrodden, the oppressed, the poor, the needy, the hungry, that they are taken care of. And we started this, this series uh, two weeks ago, and we talked about God's law of provision. We talked about, uh, there's a story in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it talks about the law of, of uh, reaping and sowing, scattering and gathering, and it's a story of a farmer, and basically it says this, a farmer would be foolish to think if he only planted a couple of seeds that he would get a bountiful crop. And the moral of the story is we would think it would be foolish if we expect God to bless us if we only give little into his kingdom. That's the moral of that story. We also touched on the area of tithing on that day. Tithing is an area of giving that is, that is um, separated from what we're talking about today. Tithing is we give out of our obedience to God. We give because God is our provider. Tithing is the first 10% of our income. And tithing tells God, I am invested. I'm invested in your kingdom, God. I want to be a part of what you're doing. And that 10% goes to where you are spiritually fed. The place you call your church. That's, that's, you support your church with the tithe. And we do that again because we trust God and he is our provider. And then last week we covered several promises in God's word pertaining to giving. And it is clear in the scriptures that when we give generously, God gives back generously. And he is a generous God, and so he expects us to be generous. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, imitate God in everything you do. And if he is generous with us, we should be generous with others. And so today, we're going to ratchet up the challenge a little bit more. <laughs> I'm going to challenge you with something today, church. Um, because you, you know what? <clears throat> I don't feel I would be doing my job as a pastor if I didn't challenge you in some areas. And sometimes that means that you might stiffen up a little bit, and then I hope when you go home you think about it a little bit and allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you about this. But here's the deal. We're going to look at how freedom can be found in our finances when it comes to giving. In other words, God promises financial freedom when we invest what he has given us back into his kingdom. How we manage what he gives us brings blessings. It, it's how his economic plan works for us. And I'm going to be talking about laws of in, in the area of giving. And, and I was thinking about, I think a few years ago there was a book, a Christian book that was, that was written, I think it was about the law of attraction or something like that. I am in no way implementing that, applying that, thinking about that. That is not a part of this at all. When I say the law of, I'm talking of biblical principles. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think that book might have had some New Age stuff to it. I'm not sure, but I didn't buy into it. So, so we're talking about, when we talk about God's laws of giving, it's just like the laws of physics, laws of gravity, laws of nature, God's spiritual laws. That's what we're talking about today. And how we manage what he gives us brings blessings. It's part of his economic plan for us. And then we'll be looking at how the opposite happens when we are not good stewards with our finances. We lose what we've been given. And this can be a challenging thought for some. 
See, money is a topic that Jesus talked about more than heaven or hell. And those are pretty, pretty intense topics. He talked about heaven a lot. He talked about hell a lot. He warned us about hell a lot. He spoke of the kingdom of God and, 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 and the kingdom of heaven a lot. But he talked about money more. And why is that? Could it be because money is something that's always on our minds? We're always thinking about our money. I mean, especially here in America, we're always thinking about our money. Think about it. We probably think about our finances and paying our bills and staying ahead of things and the grocery cost of groceries right now more than we're thinking about our eternal destination on a daily basis. And, and think about this. Newlyweds, finances are often the main topic of discussion. And when there's not enough, it's usually a source of contention and maybe a cause of stress. We spend more time thinking about how to make more money, how to save it, how to spend it, how to invest it, how to protect it, than anything else. It often dominates our thoughts. And there's a lot of material in the Bible on how to control our finances instead of it controlling us. As a matter of fact, I was scrolling through the Proverbs, and I, I have to go back and find it. But you know how everybody says, don't ever co-sign for something? Right? right? It's, it's kind of a given. You, you know not to co-sign. Well, I found a proverb that told us that. It basically said something of, uh, uh, do not support somebody's loan if you yourself can't support it. And I was like, there it is. If somebody ever asks me to co-sign for them, I'm going to say, biblically, I can't do that. <laughs> it goes against my theology. <laughs> but everything is in there. Everything about our finances is in the Bible, especially in the Proverbs. And so, so naturally, Jesus had a lot to say about money management because, here's the deal, church, how we manage our money is a spiritual discipline. Did you know that? How we manage our money is a spiritual discipline. And we're going to look at a story that Jesus told in Matthew 25. It's kind of long, so I'm not going to have it all up on the screen, so, so you can get there now if you want. In the New King James and other versions, it's called the parable of the talents. In the New Living Translation, it's called the parable of the three servants. So a talent was a weight of gold or a weight of silver. And in this story, in the New Living Translation, he just talks about bags of, <clears throat> of silver. So we're going to... Um, and, and this story is basically all about how we manage what God gives us. Now remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago in the law of provision. Everything we have comes from God, including our finances. So how we handle what is given to us and how it is invested in God's kingdom is what this story is all about. And in this story, the servants are us, people. And the master is God. So let's jump right into it. Matthew 25, verse 14. It's pretty long, so I'm going to go kind of fast, and then we'll break it down as we go. Again, this is Jesus. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. 
He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. Look, I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and he said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I, I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back, dirt and all. I added that part. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yikes. Now we'll just gloss over that last part. <laughs> Let's not dwell on that one. But that's pretty serious. So this story is all about stewardship, okay? We are stewards of what God entrusts us with. And stewardship is another word for management. We are to manage what God gives us, and we are to manage it well. So the first law, or the first biblical principle we're going to look at, is the law of possession. And this is what the law of possession says. Everything I have belongs to God. Everything I have belongs to God. The first thing we need to get settled in our hearts is that the money we have is not ours. We live by this in our home. It's not our money. It belongs to God. Now, I can read some thoughts right now in the room. Did you know that? I can read thoughts. I can hear him right now. You don't know how hard I worked for that money. I earned it. It's mine. Well, it doesn't really work like that in God's economic plan for his kingdom. See, he is the one who created us. He is the one who gave each of us the intellect and the knowledge and the wisdom and the know-how and the physical capabilities. In, in Acts, the book of Acts, I think chapter 4, but I can't remember, it talks about that each one of us were born for a specific time at a specific place for a specific reason. 
That job you have, how about this? That job that you prayed so hard for, who provided that job for you? Who provides that income for you? Who provided you with the wisdom and the know-how and all that stuff that you have? If we believe that everything we have is God's, then everything that comes into our home belongs to him. Everything we have is on loan from God, and we are just stewards of what he provides. And King David said it best. He was saying this prayer to God in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and a portion of his prayer says this, wealth and honor come from you alone. He's talking to God. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. In the story, each servant was given a different amount. Each person was given according to what they could handle or what they could be entrusted with. Verse 15, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left for his trip. This biblical principle, or this law, is called the law of allocation. He was allocating it according to what each person could handle. See, we're not all equally wealthy. But none of us, none of us receive absolutely nothing from God. We all get something. Somebody in here can give $5,000 to the Easter offering, and somebody in here can only give $500. But that $500 is a sacrificial offering that you have. It's, it's all about our heart. Where is our heart in this? We give according to the proportion that we have. See, money is a tool to be used. We put it to work. We use money, and we love people. If we get this reversed, we're in trouble. People are to be loved, and money is to be used. And, and by the way, did you see the, the, in Hamon's video where he said, serve God and serve people? It connects with our, that's a vineyard connection here. We love people and we use money. Do you know what probably one of the most misquoted Bible verses is that everybody quotes out in the world? You can probably say it with me. The, money is the root of all evil. Well, that's not true. 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, the love of money is the root of all evil. See, money is neutral. If I had a, I don't have any cash. I could hold up my debit card. If I had a $100 bill right now and I could hold it up, right? It's neither good or bad. It's a $100 bill. But it's what I do with it that makes the difference. Are we investing in God's kingdom with what we have? Right? Because we are either putting our money to work or we are working for our money. And if we are working for our money, we will never have enough. We'll always be working for more. 
But if we are putting our money to work for God's kingdom, we will always have enough left over. That's what we looked at last week. So the question is, are we controlling our money or is it controlling us? See, that's a thing that comes with tithing, spiritual wisdom with your finances. It's supernatural. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm just going to do it. Because we live in one foot in the natural world and one foot in the supernatural world. And when we tithe, that supernatural wisdom collides with our natural wisdom. And we know what to do with our money. We understand that it's no longer ours. That we're investing in the kingdom. And I promise you, church, God will help us put that money to use so that we'll always have enough. In the story, two people put their money to work and one hides it in the ground. The point is this. Here's the point. We get to choose. You, you don't have to listen to these words today. You can choose to do with your money what you want to do. In the story, there were three people. Two of them invested well and one of them said, I'm choosing to bury it. We are responsible for what God trusts us with. But here's the deal. Someday, we will give an account for what he did, for what we did with what he gave us. We'll all have to answer for what we, how we handled what, what he gave us. In verse 19, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used the money. What God gives us, he expects us to give an account on. It's right here in this story. And this, can you say it with me, is called the law of accountability. That's an ugly word for some people because they don't like that. It's being accountable. One day we will give an accountment, an account for the investment that we made in God's kingdom. And, and here's the deal. God has given each of us different gifts, different abilities, different opportunities, different resources. But like we saw a couple of weeks ago, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says this, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. God provides each of us the resources, the job, the income, the seed for the farmer. If you're a mechanic, if you're a, if you're a lawyer, if you're a construction worker, if you're whatever, God provided that for you. And God provides the bread to put on your table. God provides what you're eating. Everything we have comes from him. And it is he who has invested so much into us to share the good news of the kingdom and to take care of those in need here on this earth. Church, we are the ones who are supposed to take care of the poor and the needy and the hurting and the oppressed. The church is. And then Romans 14, 12 says this. Each of us will give a personal account to God. We have to give an account for what he gave us. The law of accountability means that one day God is going to ask each of us, what did you do with what I gave you? And here's the thing. We will not always see the results of our giving. 
But the presence of God is attached to our money when we give. We looked at that last week, and the, there was a, there's a story that Jesus told in the, in the, in the book of Luke. Uh, I can't remember which chapter, but it was, it's the story of the shrewd manager, and it's, it's kind of, you have to kind of really kind of, kind of look at it. But at the bottom of it, Jesus says, the lesson is this. And basically, when we use our worldly resources to help those in need, when the gospel is attached to it, we will make friends for eternity. In other words, I I honestly believe this. Our money that goes to any of these missions that helps people, I believe we'll see them in heaven. We won't see them now because they're in Haiti and Vietnam, Cambodia, Brazil. But God will say, there was a person in Reynoldsburg, Ohio, that helps your family with clean drinking water. And we'll meet them. I I believe that. That's a motivator for me because it's investing in God's kingdom. Two guys were entrusted with much, five bags of silver, two bags of silver. And the master's response to both was the same. He says this, verse 20. After a long time, the master returned from his trip, called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me these five bags to invest. I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. He says the same thing to the one with the two bags. Let's celebrate. Well done. You've been faithful with little. I will give you much more. This is what tells me that what we do here on earth determines what we are going to be doing in heaven. And Jesus says, you will be given more responsibilities. Oh, and by the way, let's celebrate that. Could you imagine Jesus saying, Let's, what, what does that look like? It's got to be more than a high five. And even if it is, high five from Jesus? Yeah. You did a good job. I am so proud of you. I know you stretched yourself thin that one year for the Easter offering, but look at these lives you changed. And you had plenty left over. Look at what happens to the one. Who buried his? Verse 24. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came, said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I I hid it in the earth. Look, here it is. You can wipe the dirt off the bag. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. Listen, this is Jesus. I'm not making this up, right? If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have had some interest. What we are seeing here is another biblical principle with our money. It's called utilization. How are we utilizing what we are given? How are we putting it to work? The first two are good stewards. They managed what 
the master gave them well. They managed what, these are people that managed what God gave them well. They are allowing what God has given them to, here's what, here's what it is, to flow from heaven through them and out to others. That's what it is. When we hold our money loosely instead of close, we allow God to use our resources in what he is giving to us on loan. They have invested into the kingdom and they have gotten a good return. Does anybody here know what an ROI is? Kyle? Yes. That's what this is. This is a return of interest and it was and they used their money and Jesus is happy about this. They got a promotion. And he celebrates them. They got more responsibilities with a celebration from their Savior. The guy with the one bag, he made excuses. And he took no responsibility for his actions or his lack thereof. He's kind of like, but I didn't know. The very next story Jesus tells is the one that we touched on last week too about in the end when, when there are two groups of Christians who will line up in front of Jesus and they will be separated, sheeps and goats. Non-believers are outside of this. And the sheep say, Jesus says, you know, I was naked, you clothed me, I was hungry, you fed me, I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. They said, we didn't know that was you. He said, yeah, it was me. Welcome into the joy of your Lord. The goats, he says the same thing and they said, but if we would have known... No, you should have known. Same with the guy who was given one bag of silver. I didn't do anything with it. Listen to this, Proverb 19, verse 3. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they are angry at the Lord. That reminds me of the guy with the one bag. I, but, but you were like this. I was afraid. Here's the thing, church. God did not call us into his kingdom. He did not call us into a relationship with his son for us to do nothing. I remember years ago, I heard a politician, uh, they were running for president, and, you know, of course, we always want to know, you know, how much of a Christian they are, and, of course, they always are, right? And, but this politician answered like this. My relationship with God is private. Is your friendship with people private? Would you ever say that about a friend of yours? I'm, I'm, I'll just use Kim. I'm friends with Kim, but I don't want anybody to know. It's, it's a private friendship. How could you say that to the person who saved you from life? Your Savior. He did not call us into a relationship with his son to do nothing on this earth. How can God pour blessings into our lives if we are unwilling to use what he gives us? How many people have lost their joy because their finances are controlling them? You know, there's not enough room to make ends meet. And therefore, they are afraid to step out in faith with what God has given them. Or... Or the people who just flat out refuse to invest in God's kingdom. Flat out refuse to give back. 
See, people are willing to do whatever it is that God is asking of them. How many prayers have ended with this, I'll do whatever? God, if you answer this, I'll do whatever you ask. And then when it comes to their money, it's like, nope. They are, they are not willing to allow it to flow through them as an investment into the kingdom. In other words, there's no utilizing what God has given them with, what God has given them with in their finances. Listen, church, we do not want to stand in front of Jesus and give excuses as to why we did not invest in his kingdom. I don't. And, and you know what? Fear is often the factor that keeps us from investing what God entrusts us with. You know, when it comes to money, we're often afraid that we won't have enough if we give it away. Well, first of all, we're not just giving it away. We're investing it. We're investing it into God's kingdom by helping those in need. And here's the thing. This is where tithing comes into play at. Tithing is supernatural. If you don't have enough with your finances, and you and I are in a conversation, I'm going to ask you if you're tithing. Because I bet you're going to say no. Because tithing, it, 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 it stretches our money. It protects us. It's a, it, God is saying that, that you are giving back to me out of obedience. I will take care of you. Proverbs 19.17 says this. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord. What's it say? And he will repay you. If you help the poor, like God is saying, listen, you're loaning money to me. I'll repay it back. Can anybody imagine loaning God a hundred bucks? That's what he's saying. The guy with one bag of silver was afraid to do anything with it. And really, I think God would rather us step out in faith and fail than not do anything at all. Because at least we're stepping out. My daughter has a saying, even if I fall on my face, I'm still moving forward. <laughs> and this leads us to the last law that we'll look at. And this is the law of application, the biblical principle of application, applying. You know, if we, if we don't use what we have, we will lose it. In the story, the man who did nothing with his money, with his bag of silver, lost it. It was taken away from him, and it was given to the man who gained five more. And then the master said, away with me, you wicked and lazy servant. Out into the, the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm not sure exactly what that means. I don't want to know. If we're not going to use what God gives us, he will take it away from us and give it to somebody who will. If you're, listen, church, this is the only time you're going to hear me say this. 
If you're not a giver with your finances and you struggle financially, don't wonder why. We're looking at a story right here where a person didn't use what God gave him and it was taken away from him. This is, this is, this is God's economics 101 we're talking about here. Verse 29 in that story, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away from them. There are so many believers, so many Christians who are struggling financially, but won't give to God's kingdom. Church, this is the story right here. This is what Jesus was trying to say. If you don't invest in my kingdom, you're going to lose everything. It doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven, okay? But you're going to lose out on celebrating. You're going to lose out on investing in the kingdom. You're going to lose out on somebody coming up to you and saying, my entire family was sick. I just want to thank you. Jesus showed me that you were the one that provided that water filter. You're going to lose out on that. And listen, we don't give to get back. We give because we want to. When we invest in God's kingdom, he invests back into us. And he does so in a way that is a celebration. I feel good when I give. I feel good when, I, when, when we stretch our finances. When, when, when Kim and I talk about how much we want to give, and now she's stretching my faith. But it feels good. You want to know why? Because we're never lacking. We're never lacking. There's always enough. And sometimes it's just enough, but it's enough. And you can sense the presence of God in that provision. When God invests back into us, it is a promotion and a celebration, both here on earth and in heaven. So Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Now I know I got somebody's attention there. How about that? That's a little party. Good wine. <laughs> Was that not that Mad Dog 2020? <laughs> Good Italian wine. <laughs> I know, I went there. But these are promises that God gives us. Look, I'm going to read it again. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. That, in America, that's our paycheck, okay? Honor God well with that. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. In other words, then he will take care of you and your cupboards will overflow. And there will be a party as well. You will celebrate the goodness of God in your home. So in closing... How we handle our money and what we do with it is an indicator of how much we trust God. It really is. Do we honestly believe what his word says about him being our provider? 
Do we honestly trust him to do more with our money when we give it away? Are we willing to allow what he has provided us with to flow through us and into his kingdom here on earth? His kingdom identifies with the poor, the hurting, the needy, the oppressed, the sick. Giving, being a good steward of what God has entrusted us with is what brings the blessings of heaven. It's what brings supernatural wisdom and it allows us to join God in what he's doing not just here in our community, but around the world. Church, we have an opportunity. Every year at Easter, we have an opportunity. Some of us can afford one, some of us can afford one of each, and some of us can do many. We can change lives around the world in Vietnam with a wheelchair or many that cost $75 each. We can change lives in Haiti for children to be fed for one year and, and elderly for $180. $180 feed somebody for a year. We can supply people with jobs and clean drinking water in the Amazon region of Brazil for $195. That water filter lasts forever. And you're providing jobs for a family. Church, we have an opportunity to invest in God's kingdom. And I believe that he is calling each one of us here to be a part of what he wants to do around the world in changing lives. Because our money that goes to this Easter offering has the gospel attached to it. The, the, the kids in Haiti have church while they're being fed. Uh, Pastor Vu in Vietnam preaches the gospel in a communist country. And, and in, in, in Brazil, they go back a month later and they check up on the water filter and that's, their, that's when they usher in the presence of God and they pray for people. So church, we can do that this year once again. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray and we'll take communion together. Good. <laughs> All right. This is a lot. Oh, let's pray. So, Lord God, we just thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you so much for what you're doing here with this church. I thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing around the world, God in Haiti, in Vietnam, and in Brazil. And I thank you for the generosity that this church shows year after year after year when it comes to our Easter offering. I am, I am humbled and I am honored to be a part of what we are able to give and to invest in your kingdom, God. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.